Announcement time. Spencer? Yes? Yes? Well, since I am not going to be continuing the IRC for Jerusalem... You know, real quick, I feel like we should have took a, a, a bit of a break there so then in post you could have put like a like a trumpet sound. I can still do that. For, for the announcements, you know. Bah, 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 bah. Yeah. Okay. Pause. Bubba the bubba dee doo da da. And then announcement. Mm. Um, since I'm not going to be doing the IRC Jerusalem anymore because. Uh, Shame. Shame. I partly blame Ash because he just, when I got sick with the COVID, was like, oh, I guess we're not doing this anymore. And just abandoned completely because he got a library copy. How many times could you check that book out? It would take 800 renews to get through that thing. I don't think they, like, I think that'd be the one book that the library is not worried about. <laughs> it's take it. Guy, just take it. Just keep it's it. Making the shelf bend in yeah. the middle. Well, since I'm not going to be doing that, we were discussing doing another book cast series. Little deviation from Bookcast, new series on the DPW podcast. Let me know what you think. We got Haruki's, what is that called? Uh, Haruki Mirakami's first person singular. It's his new, fresh, spanking, brand new short story collection. And Spencer has never read any Haruki Mirakami. I've read most of his nope. work. So it'll be, it'll be interesting for both of us. To you know, I can say, "Hey, Spencer, it's not normally this dog shit." Or, "Hey, mm. Spencer, what do you think?" It's X. I think it's good. So that'd be fun. But here's what I propose: it'll be a podcast series called "The Mirakami Guys." Does that sound? Or do you want to be boys, Mirakami boys? Um, just for the name for the yeah. Well, Mirakami guys. Um, I have Mirakami in the title so people know it's about Mirakami. Cause yeah. We'll flesh that out later. Anyway, so the episodes, because there's eight short stories in this collection. So what I figure we could do, read one short story and then do an episode on that short story. And then the uh, the episode will be short. Like, yeah. I would imagine 10 to 20 minutes. Just like little shorts, hopefully. Like, we try to keep as short as possible. And we'll air those, like, on a Friday or something. So what do you think? And then we could cover different Mirakami stories and stuff in the future, too, if we want to keep the series going. Yeah. So yeah or nay. All right, I thought you were gonna go with that. The other, um, your other idea for a new another new series. I don't remember. But something about like reading, uh, like classic horror stories and then talking about it or oh, something. Oh, we're gonna do that too, but that'll be after this. Oh, we might be getting too many separate spinoff series. <laughs> Does it matter? <clears throat> well, I guess it depends if the um. I figured the horror story will uh, even we could record those whenever, but bank those for Halloween time. Yeah, though I mean, I guess it kind of depends on what the listeners do. They would they rather listen to us more of the uh, advice and we'll still uh, have those on Tuesdays. That'll be our normal episode. But I'm just saying, there's only so much podcasting and writing that you know that two two fine gentlemen like ourselves can do. You know, good sir, the audience wants it. Well. And there's a lot of Miracle well, Me fans mean, out there. I mean, are, are we sure they want it? I want it. <laughs> I want it. And that's all that matters. Look, we'll try it out and see how it goes. Well, no, yeah, I'm just saying we, because um, I'm just saying, you know, we're having a lot of different spinoffs and, you know. How many spinoffs do we have? Uh, we have a book club. But we don't do that that often. It's not like we're doing these things all at the same time. But exactly. So it's like. How many things are we going to do with that just, we're just like, oh, fuck it, and never, like, you know what I mean? The only thing 
that spinoff that we have that is steady is the, are the DBS episodes. Well, yeah, those are <laughs> no, kind of. I think those are coming more the main episodes yeah. than the. But the the other stuff, you know, those come and go. It's it's fine, Spencer. No, I'm just, you know, it's fine. Unless you want to pay big podcast money and start a bunch of other podcasts. No, but what I'm just saying is that maybe we should. Uh... See if the if the audience would rather listen to the the different kind of series. We could take a pivot to that and not have as many regular episodes. Yeah, advice episodes, or maybe less until we start getting like guests or stuff like that. You know what I mean? It just depends on what the audience you know wants. Maybe they're tired of hearing us talking about like you just need to sit down and write like. Well, maybe the audience wants that and another series on Fridays. <laughs> they might. They might. Our numbers say they do, Spencer. You don't get to see the podcast number. Only I get to see the podcast numbers. Which means you could say that whatever. They I could lie yeah. right to your face and be like, yeah, they all say they love the episodes about writing the most. Actually, those are our highest rated episodes. And the House of Leaves Part 1 IRC is up there, too. You think that's just out of curiosity? I think they just enjoy us bitching about that awful, awful book. But couldn't do it for the next, like, two two episodes? What was the, the other episodes got high views, too. It's just that first one's, like, because I think people really go into it. And then they probably go, I never even read this book. I don't yeah. give a fuck. Maybe they're thinking about reading it, and then, you know. But I'm hoping we have the same thing with the Mirakami stuff. Is like, oh, he's got Mirakami in the title. I love me some Mirakami. And then they go and listen to it and be like, well, these guys suck. But we got their download. Yeah. <laughs> or not. I don't know. We'll, we'll, do, we'll try it out. Try out things. Trying out things that aren't writing books. But you got some writing done this week. Mm-hmm. So that's good. I, uh, I've, I've sat, I've sat in the chair with the laptop open. I'm happy you said that because that reminded me I wanted to, I had this, uh, planned in my head that whenever we record the next, ep- the, you know, the first episode back from, from your getaway, I was gonna, I was going to do this, like, uh, you know, we were talking about the old wrestling promos. Oh, yeah. Oh, <coughs> oh you got it all set up, or are you just dying? Yeah. I'm dying now. <laughs> but, yeah, I had, uh, you know, I had this, you know, like, I wasn't sure I was going to shout, but, you know, it was going to be something along the lines of, like, you know, well, like. You, wait, 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 before you go into do you, are you going to actually do it? Because then we'll just wait for the main episode. I mean, when the episode starts, not the cold open. Maybe. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can get it. I can just, I can get into it if you want. If we're going to use that as the break into the... Yeah. Okay. So we'll end this, and you can maul it over in your head and polish it better. Yeah. Because what it sounded like you were about to do is going to be hot dog shit. Yeah. No offense, Spencer, but... So wait, 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 yeah. wait a minute. Yeah. Let, me, let me just get... Brother, let me take... No, that ain't... Brother? No, that's not the right tone. So we'll let you get into a proper here. I got to pick a name for you off yeah. the calendar. Not the calendar. Globe. Globe. You are listening to the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. Twenty minute guitar solo. Sorry, uh, I got my COVID shot today, so I'm amped the fuck up, brother. Sorry, I don't want to take your thunder over there. I see you concentrating hard. Uh, I am Caleb James Spencer over here flexing with me today. Spencer, the Warsaw Warrior Church. I'd like to take this moment here at the top of the episode to 
Congratulate the man here on the other end of the table here on a, on a milestone here getting married to the love of his life but this lazy asshole that spent the last week hiking checking out the the the, the scenes over in in Denver and, and and all the all the coolness over there probably we're taking into things that he doesn't want to get to in the podcast right now I'm sure I'm sure I don't want to put his business out there on, on the front street but as he was having the time of his life hanging out with the love of his life doing all this fun shit I was sitting down doing work breaking the keyboard every day finishing stories where this man over here was doing jack all shit <laughs> one I'm disappointed you didn't use the word grinding <laughs> like shit have been grinding away and two you would do a lot of keyboards if you're breaking yeah. it every day yes I uh I did a lot of jack all shit climbing mountains while you were sitting here on the grindstone watching your cat watch he was watching my that's why Spencer was in my house and he doesn't just break in I mean he did but yeah. he doesn't just break in to sniff my seats and stuff he had to watch my cat because uh she's bad yeah she's a bad kitty she's not she's not a nice cat she's an asshole like I like I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't like if if you didn't watch her for a week she'd probably dig to China oh yeah she'd do something something foul we had an episode today that wasn't about wrestling or promos or anything. See, I was waiting for you to be like, after I got done doing that. Well, actually, Spencer, during my vacation, I wrote three short stories and be like, hey, you son of a fuck. I actually didn't want to say anything, but as soon as I came back, I actually wrote an essay. So <laughs> <laughs> it was like immediately. I wrote it and then wrote it on the on the uh, old computer. And I worked uh, completely, re- like edited my whole story up to the point that I'm working on. So I wasn't completely useless. I just am useless now. <laughs> but I did not do any writing while I was over there. But I did lots of reading. Speaking of Haruki Murakami, I read the, the fuck is that? The West of the Sun, South of the Border. Not a good book. No. I mean, no, it just not like- a Mar- it's not a Haruki Murakami book. It, it's more like his first main novel, Nor- uh, Norwegian Wood. But that novel, while it had like romance elements, it was uh, still had like some magical realism kind of thrown in. It was just interesting. This one didn't have any of that. It was just like it's supposed to be like straight. I don't. I don't know. Like man and woman story. It just. It wasn't very good. Now, how big of a like of a library does he have? Does he have like all going back since the seventies? I think. But I mean, like, is that a like? Has he done like a lot of like? Has he put out a lot of books? Yeah. He's put out a shit ton of books. Not, I wouldn't say Stephen King amount, but he's put out some uh, a lot of books, some very big books. Uh, like one Q84 is actually three books, but they in the American edition, it's one big fucking doorstop. So it's kind of just one of those things as like, no matter like when you're when you're a writer that gets to that like if you put out if you put out like over you're 30 gonna books, have some stinkers yeah, yeah some's aren't gonna be as good as others it's I mean the writing's still good it's just the book itself I just didn't think it was that interesting yeah I gave it like I think three stars it was a three star book other than if you come against uh, come across an author and they only have like five books and you're like yeah. if two of them are shit I might not want to read the other three because right. it. Well, I mean, like that kind of book was, it's what I would say, if you read that book and it was written by somebody you didn't know, just like an unknown author, you'd be like, okay, that was okay. But when it, you read it and you find out it's like one of your favorite authors or like a really good established author, then you're like kind of disappointed. Mm. It's just one of those things, like you're going against the expectations of somebody who's done so much. Yeah. So it's not really his fault. I mean, it's just an average book. Anyway, 
I keep hitting the I don't know. What the fuck was oh, that wasn't over here. That was, I don't know what that was. Um. So yeah, what was I saying besides that? Uh. Uh, you were reading. Um, yeah. What else did you read? Um, I'm halfway through Decay of the Angel by Yukio Mishima. I've talked about this probably too much on the podcast. No, is but... that um the Coin Locker Baby? Is that no? That's Ryu Mirakami. Ryu. So separate guy, no yeah. relation. He's not related to Haruki Mirakami. They they call because they call uh. Haruki Mirakami is the Beatles of Japan, you know, if you're just going with that kind mm-hmm. of metaphor. And then Ryu Mirakami would be the Rolling Stones. Mm. I thought he was going to go with the Monkees. Oh, not the Monkees. The Monkees is a knockoff of well, the Beatles. Uh, well, that's why I didn't know. That's why I thought maybe that's what you would I mean, yeah, no, no. He's a, he's a very quality okay. writer as well. I only read Coin Locker Babies, but I was looking at his, because uh, he makes movies and stuff too. Like, he's a very prolific guy. And apparently, I think he would like his work more than uh, Haruki Mirakami's work because Haruki Mirakami is more literary. Ryu Mirakami is more almost like pulp. Okay. You know, like just murders and killings and stuff like that. So let's get into today's episode. Nobody wants to hear me talk about books. Anyway, today's episode, books. <laughs> <laughs> These forgotten books were once considered classics. Classics. I didn't read this article. This is uh, from our friends at Bustle.com. We've uh, brought up Bustle a couple of times. This was written by Maddie Foley. Uh, it's 2017, so I don't know if there would be any additions to this list, but I thought it was an interesting topic because, you know, how often do you hear about... It, it kind of goes with movies. Like, Avatar is a good example. When Avatar came out, you know, biggest movie fucking yeah. ever, and then, what, a year later, nobody fucking remembers Avatar. I don't even remember the plot of Avatar, really. Like, nobody talks about it except for when they're, oh, we're making a second one. Why? Nobody wants it. Sure you are. He but, wants to make, like, six. But this is, like, the book version of the Books, when they came out, you know, oh, my God, classic. Like, this is the best book ever. And then nobody gives a fuck anymore. They just forgot all about it. So I just think that's, like, an interesting thing. Uh, I'm just going to go into the list. I'm not going to read all this intro here. Ah, uh, ooh, and I already regret this. Hmm. Is this a Spanish speaker or a French speaker here? So uh, number one on this list. Telemachus by Francois de Fenelon. I'm proud of myself for getting Francois right. Yeah. I, f- I don't never read. F- I mean, I've read Francois, but I've never said it out loud. Yeah. Could have easily fucked it up and said Francis. Considered a masterpiece of French political theory, Telemachus. I'm definitely saying that wrong. Telemachus. I, I, I had French in high school and didn't pay attention at all and got a D. And uh, since then, no French. I don't like. You know what? As much as I love studying languages, I don't want to study French for one reason. Snobbery. Yeah. I just find the French to be snobs. So if you're from France and you're listening to this podcast, you're not because you're like, mm, American podcast, we don't listen hey, we to We We bread. Yes, yes, bread. <laughs> I got you, Spencer. I for towel. Anyway, considered a masterpiece of French political theory, Telemachu reportedly, I keep saying that with like a Spanish inflection, uh, reportedly influenced Montecu and Rasu. Oh, fuck, dude. And it's retelling of the education of Ulysses' son, Telemach. That doesn't sound interesting to me. It sounds French. I could see why it's no longer con- considered a classic. That's why I haven't uh, read uh, La Mis yet, because I'm oh. the French in this. Isn't that big, too? You can look at it. You can see it from here. Hmm. It's all the way two miles away, but you can see it, because <laughs> it is big. Girthy. Girthy in French. Uh, that thick. Now, this is one I thought sounded pretty interesting. Number two, Of Human Bondage by W. Somerset Monham. Definitely got an interesting title. It's got interesting. Yeah, Spencer can't look at these with me because his phone all of a sudden makes the fucking microphone not work right. I don't know why. So he has to just look off of mine. 
It's like an advent guard. Yeah, that's uh, weird. Kind of freaky. These people definitely grew up near a power plant. <laughs> Though if human bondage is considered by some to be the catcher in the rye for adults, specifically British adults, it currently sells on Amazon for under $2. Published in 1950 and believed to be largely autobiographical, of human bondage follows Orphan Philip on... I don't even know that word. Bildungrund... Trip through Europe. I'm just going to say it's a trip through. What the fuck is that B word at the bottom there? Uh, Have you ever seen that in your life? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Bildungrund... B-I-L-D-U-N-G-S-R-O-M-A-N. It's build... It's Bildung Roman. Bildung's Roman. So... I feel stupid when I read these high society articles and don't know the words. So, like, is so according to that guy, is Catcher and the White Rye supposed to be like a, a kid's book? Because then he said, like, that's Catcher and the Rye for adults? Yeah, to be the Catcher and the Rye for adults. British, especially a British adults, I guess is the British thing. Oh, well, yeah, it's through Europe, so. The, I didn't realize. Well, Catcher and the Rye, you know, is taught in high school and uh, it's, it's teenage angst, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's not for kids, it's just not for teenagers or, you know, young adults. But they don't they, they they don't teach it anymore though, right? I don't know, but they used to. They used to. Number three, the magnificent Ambersons by Booth Tarkington. I feel like a lot of these authors or their work has been forgotten because their names are kind of stupid. Yeah, or just hard to pronounce or too much too much name. I I am a strong believer in popularity coincides with name. Michael yeah. Jordan, mm-hmm. super popular, but that's a great name. Yeah. Kobe Bryant, great name. LeBron James, even great name. Lesser Dirk Nowinski, still kind of sayable, but also like the Nowinski, like you say, hey, that, that makes it stag is the standout. Like, yeah, you know, you, there's no but, other Nowinskis. But then you go the opposite route. And then you got like some of the newer guys, like Luka Doncic or uh, Nikola Jokic, but it's spelled with J. Like you can go too far. Then all of a sudden you got names that are hard to say. Then people don't like it as much. Steve Nash. Steve Nash. That, that, Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, like how you make a like a little Canadian guy sound cool with Steve yeah. Nash. Sha- da, 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 da. Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. Shaquille's a cool ass name. Shaq's a cool short name. Yeah. And O'Neal's like an Irish name. Yeah. So it just works. <laughs> and he's a big black guy. Big giant black man. Everybody loves a giant guy. Uh so that that does work out. So I always think like if you're a writer and you have kind of a I don't want to say a shitty name, but like your last name is fucking long Polish name or German or just something that people wouldn't be able to pronounce properly or just doesn't sound that good. Use a fucking pseudonym. It's fine. Or, or, or if a pen it, name. Or if it's um uh a common last like if your last name is like, like Smith, Smith or something, like you know Yeah, if your name's like Dave Smith, that I mean I mean, there's like a million of those. You want something to separate you. Like Stephen King, there's a lot of Stephen Kings out there. He just happened to be the first one that came real famous. Yeah. But now, you know, because I've seen there's actually other authors named Stephen King and they have to go by like something else or because, you know, Stephen King wrote this. But whoa, wait a minute. Wait, wait a, a darn minute. minute. Don Tudin. High Booth Tarkington sounds like a four year old's imaginary astronaut friend, but he is, in fact, only one of three writers to win the Pulitzer in fiction twice. William Faulkner and John Updike joined him, by the way. The Magnificent Ambersons which won the Pulitzer in 1919, follows the decline of the super-rich Ambersons in the wake of the Industrial Revolution. So, this guy kind of took the Halle Berry approach, or the Monique approach, where he won, like, well, he won it twice, though. Because, like, you know, they won an Oscar, and then it seems like their career fell off after yeah. the Oscar. Like, you see that a lot in acting. Like, sometimes somebody will win an Oscar, top of the game, 
And then all of a sudden, it's just like career shit to the bed. Uh, I can't say if it's career shit to bed. I never, I never heard of this guy. But no. He, which is weird because he won two Pulitzer Prize, and I've never heard of him. This one, which I feel in 2021, kind of takes on a different name because I'm pretty sure this guy worked for Trump for a while. Oh. Scaramucci. <laughs> Remember there was a Scaramucci? Yeah. And he was like a, he was a real... Uh, I think he's like a wannabe mobster type of dude. He was a he was a real character. I remember him on Saturday Night Live getting spooked. That's the name of the book, by the way. Scaramucci by Raphael Sabatini. Raphael Sabatini's nineteen twenty one novel Scaramucci is set during the French Revolution. Its protagonist, Andre Luis Moreau, engages in political resistance by quitting law and joining up with a ragtag group of actors. I do like ragtag. Anything with ragtag group. That's a winner in my book. Yes, really, this is not a John C. Riley parody film. Sabatini himself was a prolific writer, publishing 31 novels, 8 short story collections, 6 nonfiction books, and a play. I feel like if we were ever to become uh, prolific writers, we would follow, un- like, we would be the unknown, obscure, you know, category. Like, you'd get yeah. your base fans that really like your work, but outside, even if we had, like, a big hit or something, I feel like we would always just be... You know, under there, like people wouldn't remember. And I'm fine with that because if you get really famous, that kind of sucks. Yeah. Like if you're like Neil Gaiman famous, I feel like that'd be super annoying. Because people would keep coming, can you sign my arm cast? Can you sign my penis? Like, no, I don't want to. Number five, The Moonstone by Wilkie Collins. One would think in creating what is believed to be the first modern English detective novel, you would solidify your place among the literary greats. That seemingly is not the case for Wilkie Collins, whose 1868 espatillary novel The Moonstone pioneered a new genre. Though he was well-loved in the Victorian era, Collins was overshadowed by BFF Charles Dickens following his death in 1889. It is hard to compete with Dickens. Yeah. I mean, how are you going to compete with the dick? He is. That man has wrote some good books. I only read one of his books, and it was okay. It was called Great Expectations, but I didn't think it was great. <laughs> so, so, I thought it was like, okay, expectations. Mediocre expectations. Keep your expectations a little lower. No, it wasn't mediocre. It was good. It was just a little overwritten, in my opinion. A little dry at times. <laughs> this one sounds different. This is number six, by the way. Star Maker by Olaf Stapledon. I like the cover of that. That's a cool. It's like a black hole. Or no, it's Ooh, like a yeah. thing, planet or something blowing up, a star blowing up. They don't blow up. They implode, right? And then they create a black hole. Stars, yes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Sounds like something I've heard a lot. Seems like something, yeah, I've heard uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson say. He says a lot of things, though. Sometimes it's hard to pay attention. Yeah. Though he was born in England, Olaf Stapledon spent his formative years in Egypt. His 1937 novel, Star Maker, in which an unnamed narrator travels to other galaxies and paralleled universes, until he becomes part of the cosmic mind, is considered a classic within the sci-fi genre. It currently ranks number 1,106 within Amazon's space opera subgenre. Are they just saying these aren't classics because they're going by Amazon ratings? Is that what's happening here? Mm. Multiple times this lady has uh, mentioned Amazon ratings. And also the pictures are from Amazon. Um, You can say because that last one looked pretty new. looked like a mm. new picture. But for a 1937 novel, that seems like a pretty uh, original idea. Yeah, I was going to say, just so far, like, the reason I could think of maybe, like, why a lot of these stories aren't considered classics anymore is just because of the subject matter. Yeah, they might not be necessarily super original, or another book came out, like, say, Catcher in the Rye, that did that 
but you know that type of story better i mean just how many of those would just are set in like some kind of like you know french revolutionary war or you know some kind of early you know setting like that it's just like so you're saying these people are gonna be huge in france probably man uh, not even because they're still older like (laughs) sit like do you do we think like like a hundred years from yeah from now like is hemingway still gonna be considered a classic you think I would say because I don't see anything replacing his work. See, the problem is, like, say you go, eh, maybe like a lot of even 1800 writers, you know, the writers of the 1900 overshadowed a lot yeah. of their work eventually. But, I mean, do we really have to worry about that now? I mean, look with the, like, how many, if you're going literary classics, how many literary writers are out there now? Well, it's just, it's gonna, it's gonna just, like, over time, it's just gonna bend, and you know, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna be, what's gonna happen? Is it gonna be, um, the fucking, what's her name? The fucking Twilight Lady. Stephanie Meyer. It's gonna be like, uh, literary, literary cl- uh, classics from Stephanie Meyer, uh, like. Uh, oh, God. Twilight, the literary classic. Yeah. Or, may- or maybe not that, but like, um. You know, like, would you be surprised maybe if, like, a hundred years from now, if, like, a Daniel Steele or something like that gets, you know, thrown into, like, a classics, you know, because she has the, you know, she has the prolific part, she has a shit ton of, but I think she got fucking more books than Stephen King does, like. I don't want to talk about this anymore. It's upset at me to think of This is a future. different episode. This is the episode where Kim gets mad. <laughs> No, the classics will remain classic. Nothing will ever change that. You don't have the glasses to push up on your nose for that. I mean, if you think about it, it is pretty, like, strange that what we consider classics at most might be 250 Mm -hmm. years old. Well, I mean, just look at it now with music. Look at what people are already considering classics. 1991 rap classics. Yeah, (laughs) so. Oh, boy. That sucks. Yeah, time goes on. I mean, the and the only good thing about that is that maybe sometime before I die, that Stephen King can get moved into like the literary. <laughs> like, yes, yay! Yes! <laughs> yeah, then asteroid comes. They do that. They do it after he's dead because they wouldn't get you know. Yeah. There's no way they would give it to him while he was alive. But number seven, wrote by Patrick Hamilton. That's a terrible cover. Just says a play. Oh, yeah. Mm. I don't know. Like, I can see why it's not classic. Yeah. This English playwright and novelist gained fame for his Dickinsonian portrayal of British street culture and the world wars. Through two of his more successful plays, Rope and Gaslight, were adapted for the screen. Rope, in particular, was produced by Alfred Hitchcock in 1948. Hamilton himself was already considered a neglected talent by the late 1960s. I'm sorry, but uh, British playwrights don't generally become super famous. Who I couldn't the- even tell the last playwright. That was super famous. Yeah, well, the guy. Uh, um, no, I mean just even like modern times with the guy who did Hamilton, right? He'd probably be the. It depends what you're considering a playwright. They do plays. Is that, is that considered being a playwright? That you just made a play? I don't. Because then you got like the guys who did Rent and Cats and all that shit. Yeah, I have like Broadway all that. I have no idea. The Technic Jesus and the Technicolor Dreamcoat or whatever that is. Uh, I don't know why I can't remember that guy's name. He's he's super famous among playwrights. He was on the South Park episode. Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. Well, he's, he's famous. Stop doing that, Spencer. It angers me. Because <laughs> then I have to edit it out. 
And every time there's a pause, I gotta cut it out that it sucks. Um, that was the end of the list. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I'm, sorry, I'm just reading this next article that follows it. I'm For, sure it's I'm great. Just, no, it's 40 new books and uh, that came out in May of 2017. I've mm. never heard of one of these. So, so uh, fuck, we got time. Going back to classics. Classics. Who do you think, though, like seriously, out of modern fiction, would be considered classic literature? I would say... Uh, uh, what's that guy's name? Whitehead. Uh, I haven't read his work yet. I think it starts with a C. Fuck. We've been talking about wanting to read his work for a while. Oh, if you just look at Whitehead, that doesn't come up good. Hmm. Not Conrad. What the fuck? Um, hold on. I know what I'll do. Be a jerk here. Is it Colson? Yeah. I, I knew I knew his name. Like Colson Whitehead, I think, will be... Consider classic at some point, like Toni Morrison. See, I feel like she's already there. Obviously, like Maya Angelou would be there. Neil Gaiman, do you think he would make it into the classic realm? I would think so because of um, the kind of the different things that he writes about and like how he writes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? I think that that I think he could definitely fall into that. I was thinking, me and I haven't read any any of his stuff. He's been kind of like an author I've been wanting to try to check out, but like uh, John Grissom. Yeah. Because, you know, like I, I've seen movies, you know, based off of his stuff. But, um, you know, and those seems like they could have a very kind of like a like a literary kind of, you know. Yeah, feel to them. I just, sorry, I just looked up uh, Best Modern Authors and Jennifer Lawrence is number two. <laughs> I'm just on Google. Like, why did that come up? I say, what, what has she wrote? I don't know. Probably something terrible. You know, that that's not fair. She could be a great writer. I don't know. I heard David Co- Duchovny's. We've been talking about reading his yeah. novels. Apparently, they're very fun. Um, yeah, I'm going to say that's probably what they are. They're probably fun. They're probably just like unrolled in like uh, X-File ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put the cutoff for what I think would constitute literary classics in, you know, 100, 200 years from, I'll say 100 years from now. Uh but this is still going to be more children's classics. So it'd be like Raul, da- like you know, those kind of guys. Uh, J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter, though you know, obviously she's super canceled now. But I can imagine after like Gen Z grows up, like yeah. the- I could see like Lord of the Rings style those books coming back into fashion. People yeah. rediscovering those books, and if eighty, ninety year old J.K. Rowling's still alive. Uh, maybe, you know, they'll go back and be like, oh, wait, she was a piece of shit in her 40s. Remember that? Yeah. Or 50s or however old she is now. I think she's she's probably like 60s now, right? She's somewhere Yeah, she's older. There. But um, I can see, you know. But this one also you got to kind of, um, at that point, especially that far down the line of separating the, the art from the artist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I it, think it becomes a little bit easier. See, the thing is, it's hard to say what the future climate would be like because, yeah. you know, if you ask me in the early 90s, if in 2021 we'd be talking about canceling H.P. Lovecraft and, you know, bringing back all these bad things that writers from the early 1900s did, I'd be like, no, that's, that doesn't make fucking sense. Yeah. Why would we do that? They've been dead for, like, over 100 years. That's stupid. But that's exactly what's happening. You know, you tell me that... uh you know, like that the the Hemingway documentary, they had to make it a point that like he also had you know he said these shitty things like yeah. they, they, they the climate now is like that, but will that climate be like that in the future? It's hard to say because I f- I feel like it would be one of those things that uh 
you know, like the pendulum, like it's going to yeah. swing back eventually. So probably 50 years from now, everybody's going to be, you know, barbaric nobody asshole. Give, nobody will give a shit. Maybe we'll go back into the uh, Ren and Stimpy era again, where uh, everybody's just doing drugs and making crazy cartoons. and uh, The good old days. The good old days. Or it could be the Leave it to Beaver. It's too far right. And now everybody's, you know, you can't say darn on TV. Mm. Uh, I think Pandora's box has been open. Unless there's like a big wipeout of internet or something. I don't see people going back yeah. to like that behavior. You just you bring up Leave It to Beaver and uh, just saying Dawn, but I saw an episode of Leave It to Beaver that involved voodoo dolls. Voodoo dolls. Yeah, because like uh, because uh, the Beaver's older brother's friend, um, Wall- well, not Wally. That's the brother, right? Yeah, I think so. But the the real shit kid. I don't like, just always. Like, he's just a real shit <laughs> Just <laughs> um, for some reason, like he was um, he you know he's picking on you know he's he's picking on the Beaver for some reason and stuff for for whatever reason you know. Uh, just because he's a little brother. Uh, hey, because they call him Beaver. <laughs> yeah, uh, they knew what a Beaver was. And I forget where, because, like, I I saw it coming into the break room, like, in the morning when I first started, they were just playing it, because they just had, like, you know, one of the me TV, you know, uh, on real early, real on early in the morning, so I missed, like, the beginning of it, but, like, somehow, the Beav got this voodoo doll, and... Uh, was using it on him, and like so, the kid thought that he was actually using it on him, and he got sick and stuff like that. It was weird. It was like I would never have thought there would have been a voodoo doll episode and leave it to Beaver. Yeah, it's weird because during that time period, things that would be considered witchcraft were obviously very looked down upon. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if it was for comedic sake, say yeah. bewitched. Yeah, like the kid just happened to get like a stomach ache. Yeah. And they found, they, and they like went into the room, like, because the, the, you know how the brothers shared the room and they saw the doll that had like a needle in it. So he thought that, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he's like, oh. Well, American media's de- uh, depiction of voodoo and Haitian culture, and to some extent, even like Southern, uh, you know, like Louisiana voodoo type of stuff has been very racist oh yeah uh what what american doing racist here no way american south being racist <laughs> no fuck out of here but uh especially with the haitian culture they really uh because you know the zombies and everything come from there they just made them look like barbarians and obviously haitian people aren't just doing voodoo on everybody because if they did there'd be a lot of people dead right now yeah. that deserve it and i would learn how to use it um what were we talking about before we got to the fucking beaver? That's about... uh, Just uh, oh, like, classics. Um, More classics. So I think J.K. Rowling could eke her way into be a children's classic and I would hope not adult classic just for, you know, I would like to think we evolve as a species. Not I don't know, a lot, like a lot of adults read those books when they were coming no, out. No, I get that, but I'm just saying the reading level. Oh, because obviously those were written for younger folks and it did evolve. I haven't read Harry Potter, so I don't know, but I've heard it evolved. Yeah, that kind of, yeah. As, as you know, the people who were reading when they were kids, it got older. So by the time you were like a young adult or even, a you know, adult in your 20s, the the reading would be more, you know, be up on that level. But even so, it's not, you know, Gulliver's Travels or something yeah. where it's like, yeah, it might be written for kids to read or something, but it's very advanced. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't see that. As far as like what would be considered just literary classics for adults, I don't think we're gonna see any novels reaching like the levels of a Moby Dick, where 
it's this big convoluted fucking book that's very hard to read. Uh, I, you know, from this era, I don't, I don't think any writers are writing like that that I've come across. I mean, I'm sure they're out there, but will they be House of Leaves? Literally <laughs> classic. That, that's a that'll be a genre classic. It's right now it's considered a cult classic. I think it'll go down as a genre classic. Whether it's horror or uh, experimental, I'm not sure. But I'm fine with that. Stay there. Just, it's not going to be a literary classic. Because there's a lot of things that, that aren't considered classics that I would consider classics just because of not only my enjoyment of them, uh, but I think they just get pigeonholed because of, one, the subject matter, and two, the genre. So Robert E. Howard's work, H.P. Yeah. Lovecraft's work. Why aren't those considered classics when you read that and you go, oh, these guys are way more advanced than Hemingway. Yeah. They're just not talking about boring World War One shit. They're talking about, you know, barbarians and stuff or yeah. aliens. Um, it's very subjective what you consider a classic uh, because, like, in that classic literature group, they always talk about, do you think Haruki Murakami will be a classic in the future? Do you think Stephen King, do you, especially Stephen King's the big one. Anytime somebody brings him up, there's always a, one guy that's just like, no! Yeah. Fuck no! He's a fucking asshole! He can't write for shit! And then I'm just like, chill out, bro. Nobody's making you read his work. I don't know why that guy gets so angry. So it literally is just one guy that he just loses his shit. And well, then the reference is that Dean Coons. <laughs> Dean Koontz can be a classic his whole catalog will be considered classics when he's long and dead just because of his horrible hairstyle <laughs> because if you look at the greats a lot of them had such terrible hair yeah. such as uh, Fitzgerald with the middle part and it was kind of curly and fucking slicked at the yeah. same time um, especially those writers from the 20s some of them had some goofy hair now Hemingway as you mentioned when you watched the documentary that man had a good head of hair for the most of the time, most, most of the time, sometimes he's very disheveled. But I can't remember. Did I tell? Did I tell you that I would have like? I think I came up with the perfect casting for old man Hemingway. No, Art Anderson. If he, yeah, what does Art Anderson look like right now? Hemingway. Anyway. <laughs> does he? Let me look him up. Art Anderson, because I could see it. Uh, he's bald though. Yeah, but that towards the end. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess Hemingway did shave his head. He wasn't bald; he just shaved his head. But Arn Anderson, maybe now he's you know he's getting he's getting too old. But you know if you you know if you could do like time machine casting, that would be nope. That's one hundred percent perfect. Yeah, right? yeah, that's Arn Anderson Hemingway, dude. Look, like, look at it. that's perfect, right? Arn Anderson, the Enforcer. He even has the body type and everything. I like that. Yeah, yeah, Hemingway was robust. Did you see, I don't think it was on that documentary, there was a picture, did you see the Hemingway boxing pictures? Because for a while, when he was like, old, like in his 40s or 50s, he uh, just randomly, like they mentioned in the documentary, he just randomly boxed, like pay dudes, like, hey, you know, go rounds with me, and he'd just box them and stuff, but uh, he just loved fucking up his head. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, here now, we go. Do you think if he didn't take those blows to the head, do you think he could have wrote? In the way that he... We answered this on the documentary question. I'm not bringing it up again. Everybody listen to the Hemingway episode we did. We covered that question. Uh, I said yes. Yes. But I think the alcoholism would have actually been more detrimental. Mm. Um, So in Hemingway, when he was already old and grizzled, you remember yeah. how fat and gross he was when he was in Cuba? Yeah. And like he was just always drunk and fucked up? Well, then all of a sudden, just one day, he's like, oh, I'm going to be a boxer. And then he just got in really good shape. Wow. Yeah, like going from how fat and gross he was to that. 
Yeah, especially for that time period. That's jacked. Yeah. For that time period. And he's, and he's still got the beard, so you Yo, know it's yeah. old man anyway. It's not, I just thought that was fucking weird. I was like, wait a minute. When was this? After the drunken fucking year of debauchery with the weird That's Cuban great. old guys? That's awesome. Old Cuban men? Yeah, so that, that was good. What books landed on this? What books have you read? And this could just be a personal question, so we don't have to go into, you know, Stephen King, yeah. literary master. Like, you don't have to do that. What books have you read in your life that we haven't covered for the podcast, like Dracula and shit? Like, yeah. Not, not that aren't classics now, like more modern books from 196, no, because that was still counts of classics, 1975 to now. That you've read that you would could be uh, that you consider one day could be a classic, just in your perfect world. Uh, I don't see. That's the thing. I don't have a. I don't have as a, a, a array of things that I've read like like mm. you have. I've had because for years that's all I read was just Stephen King book. Like you know, he that was one of the good things about him having so many. I'd really I would finish one and just have another one, and then just go to the next one. Like you know. And I mean, uh, this is kind of hard because he's, you know, so new and he's only had a couple books, but man, I really like the path. Path? Or the, the hike. The hike. Yeah. The hike. Drew McGarry. Yeah. And I could see like, just because of just the subject matter mm-hmm. and the way he did things and stuff like that, I could see that kind of falling into a, I know. could I could see that at the minimum, becoming like a genre classic. But I don't know what genre you'd stick that in. No, I would say I could agree with that, you know, because we're talking 100 years in the future, yeah. so obviously writing is going to be a lot different throughout the years, a lot watered down compared to, you know, the flowery writing of the 18 and 1900, early 1900s. But I would say that book would be more along the line. Subject matter aside, just the way it's written, would be closer to like a uh, Kurt Vonnegut's uh, Slaughterhouse Five, yeah. yeah. Because like if you took away the world, you know, World War One bombing a Dresden part of uh, and you know the encampment and all that in that book, then you just have a weird fantastical alien story and yeah. time travel story. So I can see the hike going along those yeah. lines. If they say so, if it was the hike, but you know it had to deal with also abortion or something, yeah, was thrown in there like that was. A, then I could see that would be. On that same echelon, but I, I definitely I, I think that would be a good one. That was also like I was just it was so nice to read a modern book, like a modern modern book, yeah. because we read a lot of modern books that are like nineties and eighties, you know, eighties and nineties. Uh, but it was so nice to read an actual modern fiction book that I really enjoyed. That yeah. I didn't think the writing was boring. That uh, the story is entertaining, and it was just a good book. And and the the fact that Drew McGarry is not a fucking old man. Yeah. Because, you know, I like reading Stephen King, Rue Kamir Kami, stuff like that, but those are all old men. Yeah. Cormac McCarthy, old man. You know, everybody's old. I mean, even people like, uh, I've always talked about, I want to try to start getting into some, like, Brad Meltzel books, you know, because yeah. he's like, I haven't really read any kind of suspense thriller, you know, kind of things. And, and, and like, I like his comic book work and stuff like that. But again, he's old. old. <laughs> like, he's old. Gaiman. Old. J.K. Rowling. Old. Everybody's over 50, over 60. Yeah, Neil Gaiman's on the younger side of him, and he's about 54, 55, at least. He's Something like, he's like that, there. yeah. So, Alan Moore. Oh, and grizzled. Though there is something to say about being super grizzled that you actually become cooler. Oh, yeah. At some point, if you're that grizzled. No, uh, okay, so in in my perfect world, because um, I'm going to have to have at least, you know, 
one Stephen King. If I if I'm gonna pick one Stephen King book to put into the the classic, I think it has to be The Stand. The Stand. I think it's The Stand. That's what you're going with? I haven't I, read it, so I can't say. Uh, for me now, it would probably be The Shining of his mm. work because uh, I really enjoyed Doctor Sleep as well. The Stand is the little like it good versus evil mm. you know there's these the group of good people on the side of the mountain on one side of the mountain and there's a group of bad people on the other side of the mountain and it's like who's gonna win mm. and you know and it has you know random flag and you just i think that one could you know i think that one has the themes and the the subject matter that um that down the line Right. Though I, I I don't know how. Um, though I guess the, there's a good bit of classics that are you know fucking huge. Yeah. Uh. Oh yeah. I was fucking Marcel Proust's uh, Remembrance of Things Past is like you know a million words or something. It's like ridiculous. Um. Can I say something controversial? I'm gonna judge this one off of the classic book club group, and two on the fact that I'm sure there will always be some kind of literary snobs. You know, as long as society doesn't go too off the rail, we're always going to have high society, super educated, super intellectuals who are like, "No, Finnegan's Wake is one of the best works of all time, even though you can't understand it because, and you know, it's always like that. So going along those lines, you know, what's going to be a legit classic in the future? I would say even maybe 50 years from now, I'm not going to like it. I'm just going to say this. It's big. It's big and Caleb hasn't read it yet. By your buddy, are you doing a command, man? Yeah, I'm charging it up. <laughs> charging it up. <laughs> Jerusalem by Alan Moore. It has it ticks all the boxes. Yeah. Of what makes you know what people consider now classic literature. So I could you know long, boring, weird. See, like, see, I've never read any of his pro work. I've just read his comic stuff. You've read some uh, other than Jerusalem. You've read some of his like. Didn't you read another one of his books or some short stories or something? I have one of his books and I didn't. I tried to start it and I couldn't because it started with caveman talk, like literally back in fucking caveman times, and he just made up a caveman. I don't know. I was just like, ah, fucking, I'm not gonna read this now. No, I've read some of his essays and stuff. A lot of his essays and stuff, and he's a good prose writer. He just, uh, I think he sniffs his own farts too much, which would put him in the the literary. literary Well, that's what you when you read his work, you're like, oh, he's trying to be like a literary guy. He's not just writing. He's trying to be literary man. Mr. Moore, you wrote comics. Do you remember that comic books, the picture books with the funny Mm. colors? No, I'm a literary wizard now. Well, you think with his, uh, I can say with his wizard powers, he would just be able to be like bibbity bobbity booping, you know? Yeah. It'd be so. Um, but even when you read Alan Moore's comics, obviously, if there was such a thing as classic literature and comics, yeah. all his work would fall into that category. Uh, which that's a fun topic, too, if you want to consider like what constitutes a classic comic. Mm. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of those. We'll do that in another episode, though. I'm trying to think, uh, just. Going back to Haruki Murakami one more time, um, because he is rumored to always be up for the Nobel Prize in literature, but he never wins it, or at least he hasn't yet. I would say the Wind Up Bird Chronicles and Kafka on the Shore, and maybe even Norwegian would, would all be considered classics in the future, for sure. So they're already classics in Japan, so I could imagine in the future they would be classics as well. If you folks would like to add to the conversation, you can always hit us up uh, on Twitter at Drunk Pen Writing. 
uh, Instagram at Drunken Pen Writing, same with Facebook, and you can go to the website, drunkenpenwriting.com. Space War Story is going to be out Saturday, but this episode doesn't air until Tuesday, so I guess the announcement doesn't matter. If you haven't read it by now, you Check should. Check out Space War Story! Do you want to do a promo for Space War Story like you did? Uh, I'll do the promo for you. Officer Smith! Abandoned, forgotten, on a lone planet. But it's not lone, because there's a space war going on. And there's bombs and grenades. And he has to get to the medvac ship. But will he make it? Who knows? Read Space War Story. But also, that also deals with a lot of uh, mechanical fuckery. Yeah. Because his uh, suit's fucked up, and he's worried he's going to get reprimanded. Because his, uh, much like what I would imagine, maybe not the U.S. military, but some militaries around the world, are very cheap. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Our military's not cheap. That's all our money goes to. No, some militaries are very cheap, and if you broke something super expensive, they'd be steaming mad. Even if you got blown up in the process, they'd be like, no, you got to pay for that. So he's worried about that, and he's just trying to get the hell off of this fucking planet. So check out Space War Story, drunkpenwriting.com. Anyway, uh, I like you guys and ladies. I like you ladies. Mm-hmm. I, like you, I like you guys and ladies. Mm-hmm. I like the pansexuals. I'm going to cut this out. Mm. Or will I? <laughs> you should. I like talking like that, but it kind of makes my throat hurt. Thanks for listening. <laughs>